Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Sine. Hello. <laughs> Why did you say that so terrifyingly? <laughs> did you know that this movie we've seen and the next one we're going to record next week or release next week mm-hmm. Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones, they're some of the most expensive movies ever made. $300 million, roughly, both of them. $300 million. I don't think any movie has to be that expensive. What do you reckon? Can you put it into perspective for me? Like, is that one and a half a bug's life? <laughs> like, is it, if you, if you is give it me three a moment, Titanics? I like, I just, this is similar to, you know what this is? It's similar to my weather conundrum where I don't want the weather app to tell me the temperature. I want them to tell me it's kind of like a jeans and a t-shirt day, but bring a cardigan because it might get cold in the evenings. Well, you'll be pleased to know that A Bug's Life is budgeted between 40 and $120 million. That's a huge range. Yeah. Huge range. <laughs> but okay, at its most, it costs roughly three times as much as A Bug's Life. So three times A Bug's Life's. Ish, I guess. And that's a perfect movie. <laughs> so, no, I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> well, my, my next point is like at least in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Great title. <laughs> Available now at all the cinemas, yeah. <laughs> you can kind of see where the, the the costs went. On this one, Indiana Jones, I'm not quite sure you can. What are you talking about? There's a flawless train sequence. <laughs> We'll get into it, eh? I'm just my point is way too much, and they say roughly movie has to make twice its budget plus a bit more to mm-hmm. uh, earn itself back, and these are not doing that. Sadly, just seems like a lot of money that, and then at the same time, they're not paying any of their actors and writers enough. Ridiculous, eh? Harrison would have gotten a fair chunk though. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> Is so the guy doesn't need it, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello there, this is I Only Like You and Movies. My name is Lonnie, her name is Sine. We're here, as always, to talk about movies that we like and each other. How are you? Hello. I was waiting to jump in. Hi. I'm, uh, How are you doing? Uh, you ready for uh, this? Mm. You love Indiana Jones, don't you? So. Do I? <laughs> Do you? What do you think of Indiana Jones? I don't know. Okay. I might need more from you today. If we're He's gallivanting around stealing treasures. That's that's mm. the indie that I like. Right. Not a lot of gallivanting, not a lot of treasures in this film. Yeah, here we are. The fifth film in the franchise has sort of tried to end a few times. <laughs> the Dial of Destiny. I don't know about you, but I was quite excited about this. I thought, you know... Harrison Ford's been doing a sort of tour of his famous characters as he ages, um, saying goodbye to them. He did Star Wars, did Blade Runner, and now he's doing indie. I like James Mangold as a director. He did the the quite good recent uh, 
Wolverine movies, as well as plenty of other movies that have been very well made over the years. No Spielberg, but I think Spielberg doesn't look so into these movies anymore anyway. But I had I had high hopes for it, and obviously Feeble Feeble of Bridges we love, Mads Mikkelsen, and I think a lot of the elements worked by themselves. But overall, I don't think I was a fan of this movie. Sine, what about you? I love how much Harrison loves Indy. He <laughs> has true. such disdain for every other character he's played, even Han. Yeah. But he seems to really love Indy. I think this is a situation where, like, each element on its own sounds so promising that, mm-hmm. like, of course it didn't work out sort of thing. I don't know. I just, like, it was great. Fine. Go to the movies, watch it. Don't think too much about it. You have a good time. Well, yeah, and I, my my also my thing is I didn't get pay, I didn't have to pay for it. I went to like a special screening for Broncos oh, you did members, too. yes, and that was all exciting too. It's part of it, you know. Like little person comes out the front and they're like, "Oh, we're so excited to have you here tonight and special movie," and like make sure you tweet about it and stuff like that, you know. So I was primed because I like indie already. Mm-hmm. I was keen for this movie, sort of a special screening, but then it was just a little bit bit of a drag unfortunately i think we have to address the elephant in the room today harrison's too old to be an action star yeah right well hence Sadly. why this is his last sort of action role i guess yeah i get it but i think in and of itself there are some times where you like you punch somebody and stuff and it kind of works there but if you look at a lot of the set pieces Apart from that first one, which is quite weird, and we'll talk about the de-aging and stuff. Mm. But for the rest of it, it's just sort of chase sequences where he's kind of along for the ride. Yeah. Like he's, he's quote-unquote, sitting on top of a horse for a bit. He's in the tuk-tuk for a bit. Mm. They're, on the, they're going down into the, the scuba gear, diving. I, I doubt he was ever in the water for that, personally. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, like, the thing about Indiana Jones, which we know and love from the initial three movies, was, like, how much he is viscerally there. He's doing the stunts, getting beat up. Like, mm. that's his character is that he's mild-mannered professor one day, but on the weekends he's out, you know, actually getting his hands dirty. But I didn't quite feel it for a guy who, you know, for a lot of it seems quite rubbery or if it's, if he's even there at all, he's just sort of along for the ride. I think they kept finding reasons for him to... I don't know, have a vehicle or to sit down or someone else mm. chasing like Phoebe, Phoebe's character, more doing the action. It's, it's kind of yeah. sad to see like one of our heroes is getting old and probably doesn't have the stamina for it anymore, which is kind of sad. Um, yeah, and that, that impacts the, the film, how it's sort of constructed mm. and, and whatnot um, and the character. I, I kind of feel like it's been gotten, got a bit of a pass in some circles in terms of having him like sad and old and that's like been praised and some like at least that part's been good but i don't i don't think that i disagree unfortunately well here we go counter take yeah i just thought it was very similar almost exactly the same to han solo's story mm-hmm. we come back years later he's divorced from his wife his son's mia mm-hmm. in this film he's, he's dead another one he's evil <laughs> and basically dead because he's <laughs> Got a yeah. new, new um, character, basically. And it's just, like, really sad to see one of our um, top action heroes from from our youth 
now he's just an old, sad, depressed guy who, who doesn't have any friends. I just, I guess we're supposed to feel melancholy and like that's how life goes, but this is his chance to come back for one last great mm -hmm. adventure. Mm -hmm. But it kind of just made me feel really sad about how we ended up, a bit washed up. Yeah. And maybe one of those would have been fine, but it's weird it happened twice, right? It is weird it happened twice for the same actor. And it also happened in Blade Runner if we, you know, yes. a little bit different, but kind of the same, right? Pretty much the same. So I just kind of think if it's, it's an easy way of writing older characters when you're coming back for a legacy sequel like this mm. it's like you know that guy you love when you were younger guess what now he's old and he sucks <laughs> like just trying to subvert us you know it's true yeah i i i think to counteract that and a more interesting way perhaps would have been he's old but he's still going on adventures and his family are like mate you got to stop doing this you, you're too old you can't mm -hmm. you can't keep doing this forever but he keeps going and going and going and then over the course of the movie he realizes Maybe he does lose some things. Maybe he does, someone close to him does die or something like that. And so he realizes, no, I've got to give it up. And look who I can give the hat over to. It's my goddaughter who I always known and loved. Who I've definitely mentioned in every previous movie. <laughs> and has definitely always been close to me. Yeah. But I can give her the hat because now she's the next generation and, and she can carry yes. my legacy. It doesn't have to be me forever. I, uh, the cynic in me mm. reckons that's a bit of Harrison's ego. Because at the end, there's the hat reach, right? Which is like, he'll always be indie. He's always mm -hmm. indie. He's, no one's ever going to replace him. And he sort of said that a little bit in like press and stuff, saying that people have asked him, you know, who would take up the mantle. And he's like, no one. It's me. It's my role. I'm indie. <laughs> that, that's it. And I wonder if perhaps that had an influence on the fact that Phoebe's character doesn't completely, you know, take up the mantle. It's almost an offer to the audience. It's like, do you like her? As indie, because if you do, mm. she can be indie. But if you don't like her, don't worry, we'll pick someone else. Um, it's just this refusal to let go, which is such an old man thing as well. <laughs> it is clutching. Yeah, well, too. I reckon bake that into the story rather than him being yeah. old and and not into it, and then has to be dragged into the story. Because I've spoken about this before in the podcast, but like sometimes it's cool to see people dragged into something that's um, against their will, but they sort of find themselves. They find themselves to be hero when they didn't think they were that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But also, it's generally better, I think, to see a character who is excited to be on their journey and wants to do the thing they're doing. Yeah, he's sort of against his will put brought into this, and he's kind of reluctant hero. But I, I'd rather maybe see someone who wants to be on the journey they're on. That's fair enough. I think. Yeah. If you, if what you about have when a, he? Sorry, go on. sorry, I was going to say, if you have a reluctant hero need to do a lot to get your audience sort of on well, board. Well, why should I care if he doesn't care? Exactly. What about when he brings Sala along to the airport and Sala's like, I want one last adventure with my great mate Indiana Jones. And Indy's like, nah, see ya. That was so weird. That what section. was that about? I don't know. I don't know what that was. Why would you put that there? I have no idea. <laughs> I really don't understand it. So bizarre. Like, it was kind of cool to see him again, I guess, Sala, but he didn't really yeah. add that much to the story, did he? No. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to sort of recount the plot to us and how that all works out? You have no idea what happened, do you? <laughs> you can't recall anything that happened. Yes, I can. Here we go. Uh, right. So we have a sort of flashback sequence. Mm -hmm. um, we'll do plot first and then we'll talk about de-aged. 
the Nazis sort of capture him and Toby Jones, always a delight. Love to see him. Mm. Um, and they're searching for some treasure that the Nazis have. And they end up on a train and Maz Mikkelsen is there and he's bad and he wants to deliver the thing to Hitler. Um, and then something goes wrong, but they escape and get the thing. And then we flash back to like present day. Uh, Toby Jones's daughter, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, is there. She's trying to find the thing that they stole back in the in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mads is still alive somehow, and him and his Nazis are trying to take it. Uh, and the thing that they're trying to steal is sort of like a time travel device. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of unclear in the movie, but Mads is under the impression that he can use this dial to go back whenever he wants in history and particularly wants to go back to before the Nazis really started up, Hitler started up World War II. And I think it, from memory, it sort of left late in the piece to him to be like, here's my whole plan, and it's like very late in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want to do what Hitler couldn't do. I want to be better than Hitler. But in like take over, I guess, and don't make the same mistakes that he made. It's kind of under the assumption that he'll be able to assassinate and then take over being Hitler, I suppose. Yeah, I was A lot so of steps to still make, right? Yeah, what his actual plan was. Because then wasn't he saying my plan is to this one battle, like make sure that this never happened or something because that was the instigating incident or I don't even know what he was trying to do. Be an Nazi, which he already was, so. Well, what I would have done there as well. Here we go. Sorry, I know you got a bit more to plot to go through. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> well, there's always been a bit of historical element to this. These films they are set in the past, and it's kind of yes, they play with some true history historical events. You know, I think what would have been interesting is that you know it's a known fact now that a lot of the Nazi scientists are brought over to America to help with the rocket. Um, missions to to the moon mm-hmm. and they even mentioned that's what uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character has been doing but it's set after the space race has already happened yeah and, like we actually see the astronauts going on doing on a little ticker tape parade throughout New York mm-hmm. I think you could have said it a little bit earlier and have Indy up in space or be involved in the space race somehow Indian space I think that, wouldn't that have been better I don't know, bro. I don't know if I'm <laughs> At least in Indian space. No, well, like the to the the backdrop being the space race, I think, and then you have you're fighting off the Russians, sure. but also there are Nazis who are part of the American sort of thing. They they give some sort of lip service to that here, but I don't think it's done very well. And then it's all about going back to before the Nazis, and so I could be a better Nazi is what he's saying. So yeah, seems like a missed opportunity to me. So I. <sighs> No, you have strong feelings about the time travel. And I think I do too. I think it's a bit iffy. Mm-hmm. But there were people getting their faces melted off in Raiders Lost Ark. So it's mm. never really been like truly grounded in reality as a franchise. And to me, it's always sort of felt like a hybrid of like adventure movie and a little bit sci-fi because there's a bit of sort of magic lore or history or that sort of stuff that's impacting things mythology perhaps is probably what i were to use so i didn't mind it that much but i hated what they did with it absolutely hated it think it was stupid why why did you hate it i hated it because well firstly so indy's been shot 
which mm. is like the longest anyone has ever taken to die from a gunshot wound in any film ever. He goes on a little <laughs> car ride. He goes on a plane. This whole time the baddie's like monologuing about his big plan, which I just hate that as a device. And here's the thing, Lonnie. I reckon he should have stayed. So the thing is they, they get the coordinates wrong. Mads has the device. He's trying to get back to Nazi Germany, but they ended up getting back to ancient Greece and Archimedes sort of time and he's the one who invented this time travel device and so they're having like a big battle between the Greeks and the I've seen that movie <laughs> help it's the Sea of Syracuse which I don't know much about ancient history to be honest but I've seen Troy uh yep <laughs> anyway the whole thing is like he wants to stay Indy wants to stay and Phoebe Willow-Bridge's character is like, no, nah, you can't stay. Got to take you home. I understand the, like, it had altered the course of history, so we can't change timelines that much. But here's the thing. You set him up as a sad sack. His wife is estranged. Am I supposed to remember her, by the way, because I don't remember her at all? Shia died. She's a very key character in the first movie, and she's in the fourth movie too. Yeah. Sure. Shia died. It's set up that he's got nothing to live for in present day, really. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it have been an amazing thing? He's an archaeologist, right? That's his core yeah. thing. If he got to actually live in the history that he spent his whole life studying, like, isn't that the most beautiful ending that he can do that? I just thought well, that would have been a really lovely goodbye to the character. Especially how they've set him up to be really depressed in these modern life and... Mm-hmm in modern day and then he can reinvigorate himself by going on this mission and then his reward is staying yeah in the ancient world which he has researched and thought about his whole life and they play it like that for a bit there's this whole sequence mm. and he's crying and i was crying and i'm like yes this is how indy should end it should end with him finally doing the thing that he was never able to do mm. and then i was just like why why would you choose to not do that i know and then I don't, it all happened off screen, right? But I have to imagine it happens something like this. Somehow she can lift him and bring him home and they go through the right time fisher and stuff. Like, assume that's oh, all happening. Oh, because the kid flew a plane. <laughs> yeah, that, that all happens. We mm-hmm. should take that for granted. Also, then he doesn't you know, die from bleeding out or whatever, as you mentioned. And they get him back to New York and he's all okay. But he's like locked out for like at least a couple of days, probably, given all that's yeah. happening. Yeah. But in the meantime, Marion gets a phone call from Indiana Jones's estranged goddaughter, who she's never probably ever met in her never entire met. life. Yeah. <laughs> How did that conversation go? She was like, "Oh yes, yeah, so we were in, we're actually in, back in time, whatever." And now he's back, and he's he's almost dead, but whatever. But whatever happened to the conversation? That's explained the whole plot of the movie, I guess. That's enough for Marion to be like forgive him. Like, yeah, what? I don't understand that at all. Why would she forgive him now? He did nothing to deserve that. Sorry, but he just, did nothing. She's just there. She just turns up and she's like, all right, we're doing this now. What? I know. It's the end of the movie. It's a good outcome for him because yes. it's all resolved well, in a nice, why, little, nice little bow. Because it's the end of the movie. But he didn't make any moves to, no. like, I don't know if he did anything wrong necessarily, but for whatever reason there, or I know the reason, their son died and that, that led to them yeah. drifting apart. But he, did, he took no action to bring them back together. Like Phoebe made a phone call off screen. I 
also think like that could have been make any sense. no it could have been a more mature ending like sometimes relationships don't work out sometimes mm. people drift apart when they've had trauma traumatic experiences together and that's fine he was on his own it's not like he was like wistfully sort of wanting her back like i guess that could have been one of the things underpinning his sort of depression and mm. commodness but I, I don't know i just that i just thought it was really stupid <laughs> back to your earlier point as well about there's always been um some fantasy elements to these movies mm. what i think has been good about them though for the most part that it's like a, a general adventure movie and then at the end there's hints and there's little parts that we see pockets of mm-hmm. a world that Indiana Jones can't really understand. Yeah, I agree like, with that. Like, you know, the face of God comes out and kills the Nazis because mm-hmm. they're looking at him and whatever. And like, he does meet a, a knight in the third movie and drinks from the Holy Grail and that sort of stuff. So, like, not like there hasn't been any of this before and it's all of a sudden in the fifth movie we realise it's a fantasy world the whole time. Mm. But for me, those elements are like, you know, 5% of a 95% of a movie. But this felt like actually him going back into an ancient world through time travel, interacting with ancient people, including Archimedes, for like an extended sequence. It felt like it took way too much of the the, the running time. And I get you. Yeah, like we really thrown like... into this, really pushing in, hey, this stuff happens in this world. Mm. When previously it was kind of like just like hints of, of a wider world that as a man of science, he could never really fully comprehend. But he has to, like, live with the fact that time travel exists now. Yeah. I get you. I get you. The it's ratio is definitely off. I agree with that. Do you think, like, we both independently had the thought that it would be great if he stayed in mm. history. If that had happened, would you have been more amenable to the time travel? Yeah, maybe. I, I think I could have seen the arc more, you know? Yeah. Like, there was a purpose to it in terms of yeah, story. Yeah. He's, he's lived, lived enough life in the modern day and, and things aren't working out, yet mm. he gets the reward after stopping the Nazis for the for the last time. Because it's know. almost treated as a, as a complication, right? Like they thought they were going to Germany and, oh, no, they're here in ancient Greece, whereas perhaps that could have been the resolution mm. if we're talking structure and narrative arc, you know? Yeah, and that that's obviously assuming you have to have time travel in a story, yes. which you... Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily no. have to sure. because it should have been about the space race and the Nazis were going to go to the moon <laughs> and it would have been about him stopping it and then maybe if he's friends with or, you know, the, the, the climax is the day when they, they go up to the moon. I maybe reckon. we should get you onto a fan fiction website and you can write the alternate version of this. <laughs> the, the better version, arguably. Look, I wouldn't, it wouldn't cost $300 million, <laughs> that's for sure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, do you want to talk about the de-aging stuff? I think that's where a lot of the money went. Yeah, we'll do that. And then I want to talk about some of the casting choices. Right. So we're in such a weird time, aren't we, in technology and how it's interacting with film and TV and deep fakes and all of this stuff. Um, Carrie in Star Wars, like... I was uh, just thinking of that, how much um, better it would have been in that third movie if they accepted the fact that she had passed away yeah. you know, Layer passed away, and that could have they could have honored the character more, I think, rather than having. I agree. That was so badly, and they had to like work with some deleted scenes. Yeah, it was awful. The actors were working awful. off it. I just awful like... situation to be in, obviously, as filmmakers. Yes, but yeah. Still. Friend of the pod, Cam Williams, made a great point mm. when he said, "Like, yeah, you've got a de-aged face and a body double, but he still sounds like an eighty-year-old man." He still sounds like Harrison now, who doesn't enunciate, doesn't move his mouth very much, doesn't fit with the with the visual. And to me, that gave the appearance as if it was being dubbed. Just that weird mm. thing in your head where you're like, oh, the mm. mouth is moving in a different in a different way to the words that I'm hearing. Something is off here. Um, and the unfortunate thing is, I think because it's perhaps a new technology and used quite badly, is that it immediately takes you out of the film. Like there's yeah. no, it's, oh, look what they've done. They've de-aged him. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I heard some people in my cinema, I shouldn't say this because it's going to come across as me sounding entitled and uppity. They were older and they were like, oh, how did they get him looking like that? Did they film <laughs> this back when he, at they did they already oh know and plan this back in the 90s or whatever? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, please <laughs> kill me. So maybe like, it's just because we know how it was done. Actually, there was that girl that we met at JJ's. I was mm-hmm. buying a Barbie um, jumper and Lonnie bought a Indiana Jones shirt, actually. And then the lady mm-hmm. who served us was so lovely. And she was talking about how much she loved it, how disappointed she was that Shia wasn't in it, which, sorry, lady, can't get on board with that. She's not across the <laughs> She's not across media landscape really. like, yeah, like some of us, but unfortunately she are. But she seemingly didn't mind it either. She thought it was kind mm. of cool that they were able to do it. So maybe like for the general population, like the general viewing crowd, this is cool to see. But for us, it just looks awful, awful, awful. Yeah. And I, I, I think, as I said before, the thing with Indiana Jones in his the other movies is he's so full of vim and vigor, you know? Yes. So energetic. And I, unfortunately, with just that little bit of dissonance in your mind, the rubbery face and the voice just doesn't quite work. There's one scene in particular, mm. one or one part of that whole sequence, I should say, when also it's in the dark, which I have to assume is there yes. to sort of hide some of this stuff. I had a note so there badly, as well. You can hardly see lit. in all the night sequences. Mm-hmm. The train sequence looks like you're playing a well, video game or something. Ugh, anyways, there's sorry. one bit where like, he's jumped up onto the, the train and it's very clearly a little CGI him. version of him. Yes. And it's running across. The like, one walking? Almost yes. like super speed or something. Oh, it was, it was really bad. It was so like, bad. He I was, was kind of with it up until then. 
you know. He was moving at a completely different pace to what the train was. He's sort yeah. of floating, like his steps aren't really touching the train. Oh, it was horrendous. It was honestly yeah. one of the worst shots I've ever seen. <laughs> it's terrible. And I should wish I'll, I'll, I'll try and find this for you, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a video from our good mate um, Ryan George from Pitch Meeting. Yes. And one of his ones he's done recently where he does like looks back at old ones and sort of oh, gives yeah, a bit yeah. more information. Mm-hmm. It might have been the Indiana Jones one actually from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Anyway, he was saying whenever you criticize CGI, you shouldn't criticize the people, who, the CGI artists. It's, it's kind of the conditions that they're, oh, they're put into. Yeah. I'm not and saying this is their fault and they're a shit team. No, 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 of course not. But at the same time, we have to think if you've spent $300 million on this, like, where did oh, yes. it all go? <laughs> If you spent $300 million, I think it's fair enough to want CGI that's a little bit better than what we got. We've said this so many times in this podcast. When you're making something for Disney like this, you've basically got unlimited resources, unlimited time mm-hmm. you know, for the most part because you're not like your little indie thing where you've got a month to shoot the whole thing or two weeks oh, to shoot it. Indie thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, there's almost no excuse when it gets to this, hey, that... It can come out and it's still poor. Yeah. It was really, really bad. And also that whole first action sequence that you were talking about, he doesn't do anything. Like, he's so passive, which is obviously like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, just the way that he swings up and the cord gets cut at the right time and mm. he ha- the bomb happens to fly into the building. Like, it was all just very, like, I don't know. Yeah, you can kind of tell it's written around that. Yeah. But, like, if you can put that to one side, and it, it, you know, sometimes difficult, but obviously for some people out there that we've <laughs> interacted with, it is it is um, okay. Yeah. Still a fun adventure and, and to a certain degree. not. But also, at the same time, you're always comparing it to the previous ones, which are perfect, so. <laughs> it's true. I Can I bring up another technical problem that I had? Yep. I felt like I couldn't hear any of the dialogue in the action sequences. Like Right, I think it was a bit poorly mixed the, again. The eh? sound effects and the score were way too loud in the cinema that I saw mm. it in. And did we see this together? No. Nope. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> I went to a special screening, as I said. Oh, that's right, yes. <laughs> Listen, the past little bit's blurred into just, I don't know what's happening. Um, mm. Yes, there was the section with the tuk-tuk. Um, and they're driving around and Phoebe's like driving and stuff. Couldn't hear a single word they were saying. Had no idea. Got the general gist because we're like on a chase away from the baddies. But like, oh, it was really, mm. really a problem. And I think it's a problem that's becoming more and more prevalent in films these days. Um, I shared a video in the show notes of a previous episode. What episode would that have been? Would be helpful if I could give you that. Hey, one moment. Oh, I think it might have been um, Across the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And it's a video from Vox, I think, talking about why films have become so difficult to hear and understand um, mm. and its difference in sound technology and the ways that we shoot things and the way that things are mixed and the way that cinema um, speakers and audio systems work, basically. But it seems to be a recurring problem. You know, we really noticed it with Tenet, which was mm. unhearable, essentially, um also had it with Gwen's little section at the beginning of across the spider-verse and then here like I just I need you guys to drop your score and your sound effects I'd like to actually hear what the characters are saying 
if you have dialogue, it needs to be there for a reason. So surely I need to hear what's going on. That just really annoyed me. Um, yeah, it kind of seems like it's a, um, like just throw all the sound all the time, bring yeah. it all up in, rather than having, I mean, if, if I can't hear the dialogue, I'm I'm instantly out of the movie. Exactly. That was my problem with, with Tenet at the cinema. I just could not understand yeah. what was going on. It it's funny really... that we had that reaction and you like tuned out, whereas I was like, I must be so dumb because I have no idea what's going on right mm. now. <laughs> rather than realizing, oh, it's because you haven't had the dialogue and that's why. Can we talk about some of the casting? Sure. Mads. Listen, one of the best baddies. Up there with Christoph Waltz for me. Did you see that <laughs> meme that's like when he's in Scandinavian movies, it's like, look at this lovely regular guy. But when he's in like mm-hmm. American movies, it's like, <laughs> look at this of course awful, he's a villain. horrible yeah. villain. <laughs> I love Mads much as anybody. But my problem here is that I, I was watching him and I was yeah. just being reminded of him in better movies. Yeah. Like Another Round. Casino Royale, Hannibal, mm-hmm. which you need to watch still. Another Round. Yeah, I know. Another Round. But you need, you need, you need uh, another round. You need to watch Hannibal, though. Somehow. I know. It's got my it's got my guy in it as well. Hugh Dancy. Yeah. Why is he yeah. my guy? I don't know. <laughs> Here's the problem with... There are a couple, like, guys you think you're the only one who likes. James Marsden was one for a long time. Yes, Killian was one for a long time. Killian. Now you're all on board the Killian train. Sorry, who loved him since Cold Mountain? Me. Who owned Red Eye, Wes Craven film with Rachel McAdams because she was obsessed with Rachel McAdams, like, decades ago? Me. I'm the first one. <laughs> anyway, Mads's character. This is where I tuned out of the movie. We're running on the train mm. <laughs> in the dark. Mm. We're like ducking and weaving. Interestingly, there's another movie coming up that has a train sequence ducking and weaving, and those effects were all practical, so that's mm. slightly different. He gets hit in the head with a sign traveling however many k's per hour on the train in the dark, just at full force whack. Mm-hmm. And he's just fine. He doesn't yeah. even have have a pro like his vision's fine, doesn't have a scar, head of hair's fine. I don't mind him coming back, but when he came back he should have had a noticeable injury. And that could have been part of his, you know, evil look if you have to go down that path. There's no way he, there's no way a person wouldn't survive that without coming out severely disabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was just stupid and I didn't like yeah, that. Yeah. And I don't think that characters have to have an evil dis- disfiguration no, to no, be no, evil no. or that sort of thing. But that could have been part of the character if that's the way. If you're going to have him be, yeah. be hit like that, they there's no way. To, yeah, to get him out of that sequence, right? Yeah. To resolve it. And if that's the way they want to resolve mm-hmm. it, then they need to show that. But if they don't, like... Even if he was hit uh, in, like, the stomach, you yes. maybe understand that. And he's got some scars that we see later on or something. But no, he he's dead. I'm sorry, he, but that's he, what happened. He died, yes. <laughs> Other casting we need to touch on. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So mm-hmm. it was my understanding that she was brought onto the project to as sort of a writer to punch up some dialogue, maybe like help a few things. But then that sort of turned into her being in the movie. Is this correct or have I made this up? I'm not sure if she was involved in the writing. I know she did some some writing on the most recent James Bond Perhaps I'm getting them confused, which yeah. would be a thing that I do, yes. Possibly. Mm-hmm. 
So here's the thing. This is just not what I thought she would, not the kind of movie I thought she would be in. Mm-hmm. And I know that's my issue and not hers. But to me, well, this doesn't stand anymore. But I wrote in my notes that I sort of saw her career trajectory as a bit Greta Gerwig. Let's forget the most immediate iteration because it undercuts my point. My point is mm. slightly off kilter, sort of indie stuff, um, a bit weird, like written and produced, self-written and produced and acted stuff. Like she can do whatever she wants, right? Fleabag, best show ever made. You can, she won so many Emmys for it, like incredible. I just thought it was weird that she was in a really like mainstream blockbuster. And like perhaps it's a one for them, one for you sort of thing. This sets her up financially to perhaps, you know, make better projects in the future. I just like the way she played the character as well. I guess it was slightly off kilter, but it was pretty straight. And I think like the movie was better for her being in it, but Mm. I don't think it necessarily needed her. And it just reminded me of how great she is in other things, like Fleabag. And Mm -hmm. I... I'm just not sure about that casting choice. Yeah, it was a little bit off, wasn't it? Like, you, you do want to see somebody graduate from from the indie, <laughs> independent <laughs> yes. style, or like you know the comedy, the sitcom that was like kind of had more to it, more heart to it than we all realize that sort of thing. Um. You don't mind them, you know, making it big and you know, getting that bag, as they say online. But it, it was a little bit awkward, but it was like, I don't know. I never pictured her as an action star. No, I, she is I doing feel action bad stuff. for saying that. But it's not mm. like, I'm not saying that she can't do it. It's just no. weird. Like, imagine Meryl Streep doing mm-hmm. this. Like, mm-hmm. just that weird dissonance, you know? Or like Tom Cruise being in a rom com, weird, right? Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't choose that. Yeah, I mean, I guess people can do have long careers and do lots of different I stuff. I know, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to pigeonhole her into a particular genre or anything. Mm. It, it just like felt like I don't know the wrong choice to me. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know how I'd pick differently either, but pick a no name. Yeah, I guess so. Well, what would you think of Antonio up... Bandaris being here, playing a really small character? <laughs> I was so surprised. I was like, is that Antonio? Yeah. What's he doing here? It's weird, like, right? <laughs> he doesn't have to do this anymore, but I don't know. Mm. Maybe maybe they're friends in real life or, mm. you know, he had a personal connection or something. But um, also weird to see him. Always always welcome, obviously, Oh, sure. Antonio. Love him. Yeah. Love to see him. But, uh, yeah, odd. I like um, Boyd Holbrook, who was the... The main right-hand man of Mads, the American sort mm-hmm. of guy, but I couldn't quite work out: was he like a, a neo-Nazi sort of that that side of it, or I did he really so. understand what was going on with Mads, or was he just evil doing it for money? I sort of put it as neo-Nazi because there's that line that Indy says where it's always Nazis, like it's Nazis have come back with the Trumpism stuff, mm. you know. Um, I thought that was sort of some meta commentary, but. It was like a true believer of that cause, I suppose. But yeah. I couldn't quite work out. And then they started killing people at Indy's college for seemingly yeah, for no, no reason. reason, right? 
Also, but then know, there was a CIA agent who seemed to be a good person who was caught up in it. I'm so confused about all yeah. of that. You know what else I was confused by? You know how they have mm. like the device and they're trying to figure out what it leads to and they're on the boat mm. and then they kill Antonio. Sorry, spoilers, but mm. it's in the title. Um, why Helena decides to give them the accurate translation? And then they just follow her anyway. And then they just, he's looking through some binoculars, which to me, that has to be like pickup, right? A pickup shot. Because there's no, I don't know. There's no way you're just like, oh, I can see through my binoculars. She's turning a different way on her little boat. Like, that's just so stupid. I don't know. There were just some weird things like that where I was like, what's, what are we doing? You know, like, didn't feel very well thought out or planned. Maybe that's the, the, consequence of a lot of rewrites or too many hands i don't know the whole story like i guess they're all adventure movies and stuff but this one very much felt like it's just one chase from somewhere else to get to this thing and that leads another chase from here to here Mm. yeah not my fave what do you think of a little kid or the teenager okay i didn't mind him but i knew immediately when i was watching him that you wouldn't like him (laughs) why would you say that because you love Short Round and this was basically Short Round 2.0 and, like, how dare you? But no personality? <laughs> it felt very bland to he me, He has a personality. He steals. That's his personality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not enough for a personality. <laughs> yeah. Well, not going great. But as a send-off, what do you think of as a send-off? Even that probably... No, I didn't like it. No? He should have stayed... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He should yeah. have stayed in history. And also, I don't like the hat grab at the end. Mm. yeah i don't think they'll be doing more of these i think this is it well and it's a shame because it, it's made 340 million dollars which is not for most movies that'd be wonderful that's great it's mm. a lot of tickets sold you know but for a movie that costs 300 million dollars and it's not got good very good reviews either I'd, i think yeah. they might go the born route born four mm-hmm. and put out one movie with a new indie but no one will go see it and then that will be the last one is what i reckon they'll do because i reckon the the lure of money will be too tempting to the studio that they'll try and churn one out and be like hey do you like um jeremy renner as the next person and we'll all be like no what are you doing this is stupid um that could complete his trinity in a way because he's got born He's supposed mm. to take up Mission Impossible <laughs> and then Indy, and that'd just be a nice little. I hope he's doing okay. Is he all right after that accident? He's still going around. Isn't okay. He? Like, I hope he's okay. That was wild. Yeah, poor fella. Hmm. I, I feel like they might put it on ice until Harrison is no longer with us. Wow. Okay. Or they might just move on to something else. Maybe they'll do that. I would prefer that. They could do a cartoon or something, maybe fun mm. why haven't they done one yet that seems like a yeah. prime thing to do with that character he goes on adventures isn't that what kids like adventures <laughs> um I don't, know, I don't know how to really describe it i probably have to watch it again to to get it but did you feel like the whole film had a sort of glossy look to it glossy look like i especially felt like in the the scene when he's on a horse during the parade in New York, it just yeah. sort of felt a little bit shimmery. Interesting. Like maybe it was like green screened or something, a lot of it. I think it's fair to say that most of it was green screened, yes. Yeah. I 
I didn't pick up on that in the moment, but um, I'm not like interesting that you you mm. saw that. I'd have to watch it again to see. But this is the problem, right? The artificial, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the problem because it's all yeah. When you cast an actor who can't do any of their own stunts, and we don't need to go, you know, Tom Cruise is at the far end of that spectrum. We don't need to mm. go that far. But when we have someone who's perhaps not up to making movies anymore like this, I think the sort of way you have to work around them and their performance mm. is sometimes at a detriment to the film. And I think that's what's happened mm. here. I love Harrison. I'm not pooping on him. I'm just saying I think it was a bit too late to do this final film. Perhaps COVID had an impact on that, mm. you know. But, um, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest, that this is the send-off he gets because I think the character in the franchise deserves a little bit better than this. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, think, I was just thinking as well about the... Um... The plot like puts Indy in a Jones of like murder suspect as well, oh, yeah. but he just jumps on a plane. <laughs> and <laughs> no also, dramas. That seemingly just sorted out at the end, like. Yeah, how does it get resolved? <laughs> no one knows no that one he knows. didn't do it. Yeah. Maybe Helena plays one of her really convincing phone calls. She seems to be able to do that. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I just I think it was just a little bit dull overall. Mm. And I think we spoke about some of the reasons to do with, you know, the, the main actor's age and and maybe some of the COVID stuff had impact on how they did it and this emphasis on, on de-aging for certain parts of it too, I think, sort of impacted that. But I don't know. I, I can't really think of one amazing sequence from this movie, unfortunately. Yeah, the only sequence that sticks out to me is the train sequence and that's because it was so bad. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Um, would you like to take a journey with me to Twitter Corner? Okay, what's happening there today? Are we today? calling it that? We need to change the name. We're going to change the name to social media. I don't know. No, we can still call it Twitter. Twitter for us. Can we though, Lonnie? Maybe not. Can we? Um, well, I can just quote this in the meantime. Mm. It's an excerpt from a review for the BBC. Nicholas Barber wrote, Everything is smaller and cheaper than it was in the original trilogy. Indy up against the military might of the Third Reich in 1936. We could all get behind that. But Indy up against one scientist and his silent interchangeable henchman in 1969? It's just not such a big deal. Mangold and his team dutifully crank out the action sequences, but it's often hard to tell what's happening or why, and there is no shortage of surprising... And there is a shortage, sorry... A shortage of surprising, rip-roaring moments to make you stand up and cheer. Yes. Interesting. I actually don't think I have anything Twitter corner for Indy. <laughs> well, that, that might say it all. <laughs> if there's, yeah. hasn't left much of an impact on our particular version of the social Well, internet. yeah, in our uh, echo chamber. Mm. All right. Well, what are you going to rate it? I don't even know. Oh, hang on. I did find the... I did... Hang on. Hang on. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen in English language media. As you can tell by my accent and my face shape, I am the most evil man who has ever been born. Mads Mikkelsen in Danish films. I am a simple, sexy family man and society is punishing me for it. 
I love that. Yeah, Mads is getting that back too, isn't he, recently? Did the Harry Potter movie, did this one. Oh, I forgot that he was in those. I, I feel like he, he makes his real movies over in Europe and then he yeah. gets every now and then comes to America and plays well, the baddie. Well, some dollars and then, you know. Yeah. This is a tweet about the um, CGI and night sequences. Can we have a discussion about why 9 out of 10 digitally shot night scenes look like they're taking place inside of a coffee pot? On your TV, your laptop, in a theatre, it doesn't matter. Night scenes on film were never this bad, even if they had like three yeah. lights. I've mm-hmm. calibrated my devices, but they still look like ass. There's something seriously wrong here. And also, you shouldn't have to calibrate any devices to see important action during a night scene. Like, yeah. you should be able to see it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, I'm going to give it two stars. What about you? Yeah, same. Okay. Correct. I don't think correct opinion. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. No, 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 I think I think it's a sad way for Indiana Jones to, to finish, um, having two sort of dull entries. But those first um, three are pretty good. Second one was a bit weird, but first and third, great. Sure, I don't remember them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's one with Kate in the fringe. That's uh, the fourth one. There's yeah. the sexy one with the lady where she's. Uh, kidnapped in the desert and we're going under cars and stuff that was a cool sequence i remember that sequence Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, if you're interested in the young indiana jones chronicles Mm. uh, on my other podcasts uh dylan my co-host and julian one of the best guys out there julian Barr, we uh, went through some episodes of that that edutainment show from the 1990s okay great shout out get amongst it i probably won't I know you hate the podcast, but others might not. Oh, my God. (laughs) I do not hate the podcast, everybody. Right. What's your favorite episode? The McDonald's one. (laughs) The first one. Listen, you started out strong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening. We're not sure where we are on the social media uh, platforms at the moment. I think we finally can't be on Twitter anymore, but we'll see. Maybe something else will turn up. Yeah, well, there's a lack of uh, other options at the minute, so... Mm. Mm. But you're still here, Alex. That's good. That's something. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.